Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Trader Podcast. My name is Wandile Sishi. And I'm George Mini. And we have a super interesting show for you guys today. Um, and like every single episode, I think it's best to just kick off with what happened this past weekend, which was the F1 and one of the greatest races, I think, ever. What is wrong with Hamilton? What What is wrong with Hamilton? It's a good question. I, I never seem to find anything. Who pitches <laughs> up to a Grand Prix in a clown suit? Um, You know, uh, uh, a fashionista, an icon, you know, uh, the voice of the future. You know, there's different um, titles that you can give, you know, the, the, the stature that is Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> what do you hate about his... Uh, he, looked like, he looked like the circus act. I think he uh, looked fantastic. This is... <laughs> You know, one of the, the greatest, um, you know, it's, it's questionable. It's questionable, but, you know. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can't speak for him, but, you know, he's, he's, he's got his own agenda. Would you dress like that? Personally, not, but... Uh, <laughs> he, looks, <laughs> I don't know what he looks like he kicked a cabbage. <laughs> and the cabbage won. And the cabbage won. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, he's, he's, his fashion says it's questionable, but... You know, that's not what matters. It's what happens on the track, which is more important. <laughs> but did you watch the Silverstone Grand Prix? Yeah, I did. What did you think? Um, it was very interesting. Again, I think Leclerc um, got the butt end of the stick. For sure. Um, my opinion, mm. honestly. Mm. Like, jokes aside with Hamilton and his dress sense, and, you know, people can dress the way they want. It's fine. Yeah. Um, my, my honest opinion is that uh, I, I have less respect for science. Then Leclerc or just in general? Just in general because of his decision to win. Why do you have less respect for him in that scenario? Because because he put himself above the team. Yeah. But he's an F1 driver who is It I doesn't think, matter. What, what could have happened there mm. is they could have got one two. For sure. Okay. And they didn't. They got yeah. one naught. Because, yeah. because because Leclerc came fourth. Yes. Okay. Uh, whereas the two people behind both drivers ended up being on the podium. Yes. Mm. Now, what I think Ferrari and and I'm not sure I haven't read whether you know whether this has been spoken about yet, but my sense from after from watching that race was yeah. um, on that starting grid. Yeah. Ferrari knew that Science had the better tires, right? Yeah. And that he could quite easily keep. Hamilton and, and Perez. Uh, Perez behind yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they said keep a 10 keep car length behind Leclerc because they knew Leclerc wasn't fast enough on those tires. Mm. Right. So all you do is defend. You use those tires to defend. Mm. Get you know? the one, two for the team. Get the one, two for the team. Ferrari gets more constructors points. Leclerc is the leading driver between the yeah. two in terms of points at the moment. It makes the team sense. Team sense. For sure. Absolute team sense. Yes. I'm not so sure Ferrari's happy with him. No, they're not. Um, I don't know if you saw what happened no. after the race, but afterwards, the Leclerc side of the um, of the team didn't want to celebrate with with. Well, initially, Science. didn't want to celebrate with Signs. Yeah. As a result of that, but at the same time, this is the first time that Signs has won matter. a race. Doesn't matter. It I don't doesn't. Know. It doesn't matter. He he's not a team player. That's what that's what he clearly said. Is I am mm. not a team player. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be emotional for anybody in that position. But I think from where he comes from, I'm not mad at what he did. I think it's it's important for him to make a statement that, you know, I'm not just the secondary driver. Um, and I also 
He is the secondary driver. For now. He got lucky with those tires. Mm. If if you put him and Leclerc on yeah. the same tire in that race, Leclerc mm. kissed, kicked his kicked his behind. Once again, though, I don't I don't trust Leclerc at all. I think he doesn't convert enough for me to give him the respect. <laughs> People phoning <laughs> me again. <laughs> I don't, it's, it's my sister. I don't give him the respect that um that I think a lot of people do just simply because he doesn't convert enough. Leclerc. Yes. No, I mean he's a he's still a bit of a rookie yeah. um in terms of uh, let me just tell this this human that I'll find them back. Um <laughs> Sorry about that. It's like everything, you know with Apple everything rings. Yeah. Um the watch the works. My my watch is ringing, the <laughs> iPad's ringing, everything. the phone's ringing and I bet you my laptop's ringing on the other side of the office there too. Um anyway, uh yeah, I I kind of tend I tend to agree with you that mm. Leclerc is still a bit of a rookie. Mm. But I think he's better than Sainz. Yeah. In terms of if you had to put the two drivers side by side, he he outpaces science every single time. Look at the look at the qualifyings. Mm. Look at the, the the race itself. No, you're right. You're right there. Um, sure. He keeps outpacing science. Yeah. And 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 I and I, and I think I think science made a mistake. He should not have done what he did. Let's see what happens. I think the season's still going to unfold. But um, additional to that race, I think we saw one of the greatest um, examples of of car safety. Um, so I don't know yes, if you saw the scene, but I this did. is from. Uh, this is sourced from the F1 channels on, on YouTube. Let's have a look. And this was basically the crash. And you can just see, you know, how far the cars have come since, you know, the, you know, since F1 started. Um, but it's incredible. Whoa. It's incredible to just see how. Okay. So let's just, uh, uh, let's just, let's just look at what happened there. So yeah. when two tires touch each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, so, so the, 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 the one, um, so you, you can see. So basically, Pierre Gasly was overtaking, uh, was trying to overtake George Russell. Yeah. He clips George Russell's car and it spins into, uh, Joe's car, Joe Ganyu. Yeah, Ganyu's, uh, Ganyu's car, but, but Russell's, Ru- Russell's tire and Ganyu's tire, right? Mm. And it, it's, it's either or, it doesn't really matter. Um, um, both tires are moving in a positive forward motion, right? Yes. Now, the tire that's behind mm. is the one that's going to climb. Yes. And that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, um, the because uh, it's climbing over the it's climbing over the one, and then and then the one that's in front is going to flick it even faster. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything that could have that could have changed that event. Yeah, for sure. There's no piece of safety that they're going to be able to put in place that's going to change two tires touching each other. Yeah. That was my point. For sure. Um. You know, so uh, uh, so for me, it was horrific, but it just goes to show that the halos work. For sure. And I think a lot of people are giving the Halo the, the credits, and rightfully so. You don't think so? I think there's a few things there. There's also the, the, the I think it's called the Hans device, which yeah. basically stops the, the driver's head from uh, becoming a blender, essentially. Okay, just for um, everybody's benefit, uh, where is the Hans device and, uh, uh, and how does it work? So the Hans device is basically, it's, it's attached to your helmets, and it basically uh, locks you to your seat. Okay. Um, so in it's, it's almost like a secondary... Uh, seatbelt. Well, uh, you, you've seen those two clips on the side of the helmet. Exactly. Okay. And, uh, and that's got straps to that device. Yes. And that device is attached to the car. Yes. And, uh, and so it stops the driver's it's like head. Seat, it's a seatbelt for your, for seatbelt for your head. Exactly. Yeah. So imagine if you're smashing into a wall of 55 G's, um, your body will stop the seatbelt. Well, seatbelt's gonna stop your body, but your head's still, you know, moving with that force. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's things like that that have really kind of 
um, elevated and saved so many drivers' lives. But a lot of these uh, devices are, are, are flying into modern cars. So it begs the question, are all of these Flying safety- into modern cars? Oh, being being <laughs> installed. Being installed in modern cars. <laughs> so the question is, you know, are modern cars as safe um, to drive now because of these new, I don't want to say gimmicks, but these new safety features, um, which are increasing car prices, but what is the impact of that? So does your car have any safety Excuse features which are... Um, you know <laughs> the impact um <laughs> does your car have any safety devices that you know 10 years ago you know you'd never see in in the modern car um so side impact bars that's yeah. you know um was something that wasn't in um yeah in cars before crumple zones mm. so so what you're trying to do and this is you know i mean you know i'm a recreational pilot yeah and uh, what my flight instructor actually the other day I went for a renewal test in my yeah. um, uh, for my um, pilot's license, and uh, and one of the things my flight instructor always says is if you're going to if something happens like you have the engine stops and you have to land okay yeah. so remember a plane continues to glide it's just because the engine stops doesn't mean you have to fall out the sky right yeah. the objective is to have the energy dissipate over a longer distance as possible mm. okay so you want to come to a slow stop mm. kind of gliding instead you of wanna, just falling in well, yeah you 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 don't want to you don't want to hit the ground and have a sudden stop because it's not the crash that kills you mm-hmm. it's the sudden stop that kills you mm. your body just can't handle 55 g's yeah um so 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 the so the point of all these safety features is to slow the impact on your body down yeah Increase the time of the accident, essentially. Increase the time of the exactly. Mm. Delay the time of the accident to your body, mm. and let the rest of the car absorb that All energy. That energy yeah, yeah. Side impact bars, crumple zones, um, you know. So airbags other stuff takes exactly that. Airbags do that. It's it kind of takes on the energy in mm. uh, uh, in your body uh, moving forward. Yeah. And um, um, I suppose airbags are a big one. I mean, airbags have been around for a long time now. Um, for sure. Uh, things that are in my particular car, the Jaguar I-Pace, yeah. um, which suddenly catapulted most electric cars that are built in this way um, into a safety zone that no other petrol engine car can even rival. Yeah, And that is uh, a internal combustion engine car has a big piece of metal inside the bonnet. The engine. The engine. Yeah. There's a big chunk of metal there yeah. that... You know, and, and, and the less something can crumple, the more it becomes a projectile. Yeah. So the moment you hit something, that engine is going to start moving, moving back into you, the car. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and an EV doesn't have that. The battery is literally under the car. Yeah. So, so it creates more crumple zone, um, mm. in the bonnet area. I suppose a, um, a Porsche. Mm-hmm. Is a very similar. I, 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 I mean, I haven't looked at the Porsche's um, like with a, like any mid-engine engine, car. Uh, car, yeah, could have a, a, a higher safety rating because yeah. you don't have that engine in the front. Yeah. So the crumple zones are are are, are more effective. So, so for me, one of the biggest safety features in EVs, particularly, yeah, is the fact that there's no there's engine no block. Front, yeah. There's no engine in the front because I'm not sure that. Um, manufacturers of traditional ice vehicles can solve for that problem. Mm. Airbags, yes. Crumple zones, yes. Maybe extending the distance between the driver and the and the actual engine block. Yeah, you know, making and those things are hard. It's not like a 
something that can crumple uh, for the most part. A lot no. of the parts are just kind of you can't. Rigid. It's yeah. like there's those, the, the, the the ancient parts inside an ice vehicle are rigid. So yeah. for me, uh, to answer your question, um, modern safety. Uh, all of the all of the things that are in cars today re- literally weren't there 15, 20 years yeah. ago. Um, I mean, the the VW City Golf, the yeah. um, uh, the Beetle, mm. um, the uh, Toyota Taz, those mm. were incredibly dangerous cars. Yeah, just simply because these features were not there. I mean, my first car that I ever drove was a Toyota Taz, and it had no power steering, for instance. Oh, that's not a safety feature. Um, it's not it? a safety feature, but it's small things like that which really change the experience. And these safety features now, you know, change the experience of an impact or a crash. Exactly. And, and you know, it's the difference between sometimes life and death. Think about this: mm. steering wheel. Yeah. Right. So you asked something that didn't exist fifteen years ago. Yeah. Steering wheel, steering column. Yeah. Okay. So your steering wheel traditionally was attached to a a bar, pole. Yeah. a pole, okay, which was attached to the rack and pinion. Yeah. You didn't know I knew what a rack and pinion was. <laughs> no, um, I do. Which was attached to uh, turn the wheels. Yeah. Okay. And and that was a solid bar or yeah. a pipe. That's just aimed at your head constantly. That, you know, so what are the chances of that thing being a projectile? Yeah. Now with systems like drive-by-wire, yeah. where you do not have potentially this pole – that it yeah. extends through the through the car, you know. Um, so 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 modern cars and the electronics yeah. make for less rigid parts. I think mm. um, that that are there to become projectiles. Mm. I agreed. So there, there's actually been studies done on this, and essentially, advanced uh, driver assistance aids they have reduced uh, bodily injury by 27 percent, up to 27 percent. And uh, claims have reduced by 19% since they've, they've been around, um, which goes to show you just how much these help. Um, I think one study said that 50,000 crashes uh, could, could have been avoided as a result of this. 50,000 wow. um, a year, which is… In which country? In the U.S. In the U.S. Yes. Okay. Uh, the study was done in the U.S. But, I mean, that's, that's a substantial amount as a result of these driver aids. So next time when you're buying a car, I think it's important to… Not see this as a an additional cost to the experience, but rather something that could potentially be the difference between. I would say, you know, you know. take uh, take safety features over um, entertainment aesthetic features. Yeah. Um, you know, but people don't do that. People generally will go for something that looks nice rather than uh, a safety feature in most instances. And people are people are very aesthetic human beings for sure. Uh, by and large, they want to they, they want a cool car, they want one that looks slick, yeah. you know, rather than one that can save your life. One of the most impressive ones that I've seen, I think we have a video of it, um, is Volvo's braking system. Mm. So I don't know if you've ever seen the braking system on a truck. Let's have a look. Of how basically that you know, um, could potentially save your life. And in this specific particular instance, I think it was a school bus. So the school bus had basically stopped um, on the side of the road and kids were moving around about trying to get across the road. But now they can't see on their blind, they were, I guess the, the, the blind spot because the, the bus was busy blocking the way. They mm. couldn't see the truck coming. And it just basically saves this child's life who's trying to cross the road. Let's have a look. Quite simple. Just kind of read the situation there. Did the truck do that or did the driver do Both. that? 
Both. Both both working in conjunction there. The, basically, the truck could see uh, before the human could, and he assisted in stopping the, the truck with, his driver, with the driver aids. But it's, it's small things like that which you don't really you don't take realize. into consideration. I mean, most cars today have emergency braking. My EV has emergency braking. Mm. So, uh, um, and, and, and pretty much similar to, to what that was, where yeah. the car will slam on brakes for you. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, it particularly works in my Jaguar when you're using the adaptive cruise control. Yeah. Um, if, uh, if a car slams on brakes in front of you, I've, I've already had a situation where the car braked before I would have. Because of the genesis of braking. Is that always no, no, on? No. Is, or is that Not because of the genesis of braking, because the car saw. Yeah, yeah, the car the car read the the um, vehicle in front of me, yeah. um, slamming on brakes before I read it. Is the genesis of braking always on? Is, is, how does that work? Is in my car, As soon yes. as you're off the accelerator, it's already. Well, when you're, using, when you're using adaptive cruise control, all of it's working together. Yeah. Um, so regenerative braking is on all the time in the, in the iPace. You can turn it to be lighter or heavier. Yeah. I've got it on maximum all the time. Yeah. Um, some EVs you can turn off totally. Does that uh, impact the, um, what's it called, the range at all? Yes. Of course. Yes, yeah. of course it does. It doesn't recharge the batteries if you got it off. Mm, true. So, so regenerative I mean, braking by itself well. is not necessarily a safety feature. No. Um, no. It's more to charge a battery. Anything else, uh, than yeah. anything else but the nice thing about regenerative braking is when you take your foot off the accelerator it's you're immediately braking whereas yes. I, i've always thought it it in an ice vehicle it takes you a millisecond to move your foot from the accelerator to the brake pedal yeah in an ev that that time is not there because mm. it's already slowing down it's really it's already braking yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, these safety features are around. Um, so the next time you buy a car, just check out what, what your car has because it could be, you know, for peace of mind, I think it's important. Anyways, moving on. So I don't know if you – do you listen to music in your car? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, what do you normally listen to? Well, I mean, most of the time I uh, I listen to um, books or podcasts. Yeah. Um, so very, very few and far between do I listen to music um, unless there's like a real – like really new song that I want to, um, yeah. you know, that that I'm into, uh, but but most of the time I'm listening to podcasts or um, um, a book or okay. some or some audio. I like talk radio. That kind yes, of thing. that's me. I love talk radio. That's so so I'm not a, I'm not a massive car music listener. If yes, that yes means anything, but uh, um, but if I was, yeah. um, there's a there, there's a, you know. If you follow a gentleman in South Africa, this this you got to go get his book. Richard mm. Sutton's mm. Um, uh, books are absolutely amazing. Um, he wrote a book called Stress Code. Yeah. Okay. I'm currently reading. it. I think yeah. you're currently reading <laughs> yeah. it. Stress Code. Yeah. And uh, um, and and part of de-stressing is actually yeah. listening, listening to, to music, upbeat yeah. music mm. for at least I think it's in the book he says 15 minutes. Mm. Um, if you listen to upbeat music, actually activates what's called your vagus nerve. Mm. And uh, and so it's really a good de-stressor. So, sure. uh, so so sometimes you know listening to music in the car, um, I like to do because of that. Outside of what Richard Sutton says in the book, um, there have been additional studies to kind of substantiate that. Mm. But essentially, music can impact three things during driving: your mood, your performance, as well as your attention. Mm. So obviously, mood depending on you know is it a upbeat song, is it a slow song, will impact how you're feeling when you're driving. With regards to attention. Um, that's where I think it, it starts to blur the lines. So depending on the the song, your attention could be deviated from just driving. 
because you're paying attention now as well to the song and to the lyrics. Um, yeah, to, you know the feeling. I, I think it all stems from your mood. Um, yeah. I, I, I stand to be corrected, but I, I read something years ago. They did a study in a gym, mm-hmm. and they played different kinds of music, and then they observed the people in the gym. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can. And when they played heavy metal and really like hard <laughs> music, yeah, people started throwing the weights around. Yeah. In yeah. the gym, like dropping it on the floor. I mean, not being aggressive, but yeah. their behavior with the weights changed. Their relationship with the weights changed. Yeah, he's jacked up and pumped up right now. Yeah, like throw the weight down and <laughs> pick it up, and you know. Um, um, so, so I definitely think attention would stem from mood, and yeah. music, music is a mood, a mood changer for sure. Um, and then performance is the last thing. So they did a test when they, were, this wasn't driving. It was uh, people who were playing a video game, a driving video game to see how the music impacts their lap times. Mm. And the faster the song was, the or the higher the, the, the tempo, tempo was, um, the worse they did. Um, just simply because their concentration is now focused on you know driving to the beats instead of kind of cruising. Um, so you, the music that you play in your car does have a, a significant impact on you know your driving experience. Yeah, I mean, listen, you, you, in, in in Richard Sutton's um, examples, you've got to listen to upbeat music fifteen minutes um, mm-hmm. um, at a time. But there is also something to be said um, with calm music, mm. because the moment you calm down and you drop your heart rate, um, you I fall asleep. Well, no, you, besides falling asleep, you're able to take in more of your environment. Okay. Because your peripheral opens up, um, you start to notice things around you because you s- almost slow down. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say there's benefits to both, upbeat music and calm music. Yes. I mean, I'm not suggesting listen to Beethoven. but <laughs> yeah. Unless you're into that. But uh, essentially, um, I think to summarize that, the safest tempo is between 60 and 80. So if you, that's kind of the safe zone between I'm not falling asleep and I'm not super jacked up on, you know, this, this dubstep that I'm listening to. It's interesting that it's between 60 and 80 because the your resting heart rate around there. is around that Exactly. That and that's exactly tempo. what. Yeah. Um, it's kind of your most concentrated tempo um, is around there. So. Well, it synchronizes, I suppose, with your body then. And that's exactly yeah. uh, why, you know. So I suppose under 60, that's the sleep zone. <laughs> There's a few songs that have been spotlighted um, for that. Um, well, I mean, I d- just I don't like listening to depressing, depressing <laughs> music. It's uh, it just yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, um, there's a few songs on the list which have been suggested, uh, such as "Cry Me a River" by Justin Timberlake. Everyone loves that song, so listen to that. Um, and there's some Drake on there as well. Um, but maybe in the description we'll just post that those top twenty best or safest songs to listen to within within that tempo. Within that tempo. Interesting. I want to yeah. go and make a playlist out of this and see. And see how it impacts yeah. your driving. <laughs> well, no. I want to see how it impacts my driving because I suppose you won't know what you won't know. Yeah, true. Um, true. You've got to be observed from the outside. Exactly. Well, we're running out of time, but before we leave, so something that's quite topical right now is load shedding. So I wanted to know with regards to load shedding. You're an EV driver. Um, so I wanted to find out basically how load shedding has impacted your driving experience. Um, and I think the first thing I want to know is, has there, you know, even been an impact on your driving experience as a result? So, no, it has had zero impact on my driving experience. And I, I think I know what you mean, but 
you know, driving the car during load shedding is, you know. The, the well, let's, let's not, not necessarily the driving experience, but the ownership of an EV vehicle. I get you. Mm. Um, so yes and no. Yeah. It's winter, right? Yeah. So what I have noticed in my solar installation in my house yeah. is the photovoltaic panels okay. reduce their output by up to um, between 20 and 40%. As a result of as a result being of, cold? As a result of winter. Okay. I haven't dug into the reasons why, yeah. but as a result of it being cold. Yeah. I'll give you an example. I have the ability to generate roughly um, 20 kilowatts out of the panels. Yeah. Probably 18 if, uh, you know, on a really hot, sunny summer's day. Mm. It's, that's the capability of those panels. Right now in winter, the maximum I've seen it go to is 7 to 8 kilowatts mm. of output. Okay. So, so – so now I'm not generating as much electricity from the panels as I was in summer. Yeah. That does impact my ability to charge, charge. the car um, using the solar panels because now the solar panels are running the house, charging the house's batteries. Mm. So that's the first thing is is if you're off the grid or you think you're off the grid from a solar point of view, um, your situation, so your situation will change really, yeah. um, in winter. So that's the first thing. Now, let's take the solar installation out of the picture yeah. and uh, and just think about ESCOM. Right? Yeah. So I haven't had a situation where I haven't been able to drive my car in the day because I don't have enough battery charge yeah. available. Even with four hours of load shedding, my car only needs approximately two hours of charge per day. Just because it's never on zero, right? It's never on zero. I mean, even if you don't get uh, to charge, I, like there was about this this week, there were two days that I didn't put my car in charge. Mm. And you still managed to get through the week without, my, a, without a hiccup? Um, I came to the office this morning, uh, and I think my car is on about 50% charge. Mm. And that's fine. When I go home tonight, I'll stick it back on um, – and uh, probably needs about five hours to charge it up yeah. um, to five, six hours to charge it up to 100. Mm. If I get two or three hours of charge tonight, it'll get up to 70 or 80, um, even during load shedding. Yeah. So so even with four hours of load shedding uh, twice a day, that's eight hours. Yeah. You've still got the balance of the day. And, it's kind uh, of charge, yeah. You know, we don't, we're not having load shedding between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. constantly. Yeah. Um, it's only off for approximately four hours during that time. At max, yeah. Well, during the stages that we're currently experiencing, yeah. So then you've got another, what, eight hours left. Yeah. And you only need two or three hours of charge. Okay. I in see. order to drive your EV. And that's what people miss is you don't need as much charge time as you think you need. Yeah. Unless you're plugging into a three-pin socket, which only charges at three three point something kilowatts uh, per hour, yeah. whereas if you've got a wall box that charges at seven or eleven kilowatts, it charges the car a lot faster. Mm. Okay, so really no real impact. Um, no. Your life's kind of adjusted. Just like this morning, I actually didn't realize that I was load shedding. It's, I'm just so used to it now that like <laughs> I kind of just woke up, grabbed my water, and I left, and I realized only when I hit the robot that oh, we're load shedding right now. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, very, very finally, um, that, um, ESCOM is, 
now forcing a situation mm. um, where microgrids are going to occur more and more. People are going yeah. to go off the grid or, or as much off the grid as they can with a solar installation from a solar mm. installation point of view. And that doesn't bode well for ESCOM because they will lose revenue. Yeah. And the moment they lose revenue, um, the next thing is they might put up the prices. Yeah. Right. When they put up the prices, they will force more more people to go microgrid um, solo. It's a cycle, yeah. And then, well, it's called a death spiral. Mm. Eventually, what happens then? I don't think the government will allow ESCOM to fail, hopefully, because we need ESCOM. Yeah, um, I've got I've got an off grid system at home, and uh, I've still, still now because of the reduction in winter, yeah, because of load shedding, yeah, I have to use Escom to charge my car, um, some of the time. Let's see what happens, but uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. That's pretty much all the time we have. Thank you, George. Been good. Yeah, going to clear. <laughs>